It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of The Table. Uh, my name is Jason Squires. I'm the host of the this podcast. Today you're joined by two Jasons and a Michael. Um, hey. Michael, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Michael Bond. I feel like I'm the meat in the middle of a Jason sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> I, I feel just inferior because my name is not Jason. My name is not Jason. Anyways. So my name is Michael Bond. I am from the northwestern part of the United States, Oregon, Oregon. I'm a worship shepherd up here. I've been on staff, uh, worship pastoring for 20 years now. Love it. Love to serve the local church. Love yeah. to. We have five campuses, so we're consistently raising up creatives and raising up uh, people to serve in many different areas. Love it. Love to help people succeed. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, my years in ministry, and I love to, if I can help anybody else not trip on what I tripped on, I'd love to throw it out. So honored to be here and hopefully say something that can encourage someone. Mm. Awesome. And how about you, Jason? That sounds so good, Michael. Just repeat that. No. Um, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> not, yeah, anything I say is like, hi, my name is Jason. I've made no mistakes, and I'm looking forward to learning from Michael. <laughs> No. Uh, so my name is Jason Harris. I've made many mistakes as well uh, through ministry, but God is and the church have been gracious as well. Um, and so um, the worship pastor at a church called Browncroft Community Church in Rochester, New York. So I'm on the other side of America mm. um, mm -hmm. and just uh, been grateful to serve uh, and shepherd. Um, I think that's kind of one of our primary roles to to raise up and walk with others. Uh, and lead them toward the feet of Jesus. And so Amen. been able to do that with uh, just an amazing team of staff and volunteers and uh, with our congregation. Um, also lead an internship program, not just for worship ministries, um, but also uh, throughout you know the church and just focused on raising up healthy leaders, healthy young Amen. leaders uh, for the church. I love that. I love the focus on health. And I mm -hmm. think that's a big, it's a big deal. And, and, um, I also love, I love that we collectively are helping people, like Michael said, helping people not trip on things that we've tripped on. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, if the, if the goal is, uh, the goal is, the goal is health and the goal is conversation. And that's what we do here. Um, this month, we're kind of wrapping up our month's topic on talking about being a creative on a staff of non-creatives and, uh, and there's going to be other creatives maybe on staff, but collectively, Typically, you're in a in, in a room in a in a scenario where you think differently than maybe the people that are around you. Um, how would you guys define a creative? Like, what would you? Let's just start off with like, if I had to define what it means to be a creative, like, what does that mean to you? I'll go first while you guys are kind of processing that question. Like, I would say a creative is somebody who thinks outside the box, um, somebody who dreams a lot. Um, and somebody who is just excited about the idea of creating, um, but there are there and then lives that out. And so um, that's and that's not just like I have an idea, 
but ideas are constantly a part of their their life and their process and um earlier this month we had brian taylor on from slingshot group and he said something that i've been really resonating with and he said a creative is a steward of innovation is somebody who just takes in it, it takes what they innovate and and cares for it and makes sure that it 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 gets done and um the idea gets seen and so what about you guys what would be a definition that you would say kind of defines a creative michael maybe okay yeah for me i i i like i like what you said resonate with it i i think creatives are people that tend to see and hear and sense perceive what maybe other people overlook or can't see Mm. have hunches and intuitions into what could be and then as you said he's the term stewardship they have the task of trying to express that so that people that couldn't see it in the first place now can see it will accept it and understand it and that's that's a that's a challenge in the local church Mm. for sure yeah so many people that have so many powerful opinions um about you know the things that we try and create and do so yeah people who see and sense and perceive what others can't and then they're entrusted with having to execute it and create something that helps people open their eyes and and see it more clearly i love that what about you jason yeah i think there's many different types of creatives but i think in like thinking about a definition innovation is a key word i also think interpretation is a key Mm. word of helping interpret ideas or let's say now that comes out in creative outlets but really what you're trying to do is okay what's the question what's the the big source or answer that we're trying to or expression that we're trying to get across and then we have our our medium or our creativity to interpret what that means so that others can understand and join you now sometimes it's understanding but also other times it's feeling i think creatives a lot of times have that ability to bridge the gap of feeling and understanding. So I both understand, but I also have a feeling as Michael was talking about that kind of gut uh, reaction or just kind of knowing what to do. There's that discernment in creativity. Yeah. Um, But I also think there's also an interpretation. There's some kind of like cyclical process of innovation that we all go through where like you have an idea and it's like the best idea we ever had. And so there's that like torment of like, oh, I have the best idea. And then you begin to go through it. And then all of a sudden your idea like really, really stinks. If you're writing a song or it's like all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is, this isn't worth anything. And then you, you hone it more and more. And then it comes back to what it's supposed to be and what it's called to be. Oh. Love it. I love it. Now, in a lot of cases, uh, your tech team, maybe isn't they aren't creatives and they they think differently than maybe a creative does and give us some ways to maybe lead a team that might get frustrated by how you're communicating what you're looking for because as creatives we tend to we tend to like get excited about ideas and maybe push the envelope a little bit and uh tech teams are don't always think that way it's more organization and alignment with uh, you know, what's in front of you and, you know, the following details. And those are not things that we do necessarily do well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys in your scenarios, and I know both of you, both of you uh, on the, you, you have the creative side of your job, 
but you also have the administration side of your job. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you, how do you guys um, do that? Or is it even something that you've noticed is a problem or how do you kind of go about that? I think for me, I, I've learned this from, from others that have demonstrated it really, really well. Oh, I think establishing an honor culture is huge. Uh, a relational honor culture. A friend of mine at a church in the Bay, in the San Francisco Bay area, always says honor up, honor down, honor all around. So for me, if you can break down the divide between those who are stereotypically seen as the creatives and those who are stereotypically seen as the non-creatives and help everyone feel like, well, we're really on one bigger team. We just have different roles on the team that can be helpful. And, and, and it's essential meaning. Um, so someone is, they're running tech. Um, you know, if those on the stage, we can't survive without those running tech. Mm -hmm. And if the tech don't have those on the stage, there's nothing to put through the tech channels. <laughs> so it's like, it's we're it's a bond. We are in it together. So in fact, when I travel and guest lead places, one of the, one of my first priorities is to get to know the techs and especially go up to the sound techs, lyric mm -hmm. techs, light techs, talk with them, meet them, let them know right out of the bat, right? Like right out of the gate that I'm not coming to them with attitude, mm -hmm. that I don't have an agenda, that I'm a guest in their house and I'm just there to serve and I'm inviting their insight into what I do. And, and if they hear something or sense something, they have a better picture of what I'm doing than I do from where I stand. So I, they are invaluable in their insight and what they bring. So anyways, for me, if I can show honor, if I can create a sense of team that we're all on a yeah. greater team and that we're all important and we need each other. And we just need to do each of our individual roles to the best of our ability. And we can help each other pull that off. That, that has helped me uh, with what you're, you're bringing up and trying to break down walls and, and help people get on the same page when they might have different mentalities in another setting. Love that. What about you, Jason? I think um, in this, like it's, it's all about language and how you teach it. And I think what I've worked with my team is we're all worship leaders. We all have different tools um, that God has gifted and, and gifts that God has gifted us in. And they're all tools for which to worship and to come together and worship. Like I call our graphics person, which is the person running the slides in some yeah. churches, worship leader five. Like because the congregation won't be able to express their their worship now the worship leader should know the song either way but yeah. um but they won't be able to express like if if they're behind or and so knowing that they have a role in what you would probably perceive as a non-creative role but they have a, a essential role um right now for the congregational worship um yep. and so same thing with like an audio engineer um having them have an an idea of worship. Like, what are we trying to achieve on Sunday morning? Not just to have a great band mix, but we're trying to lead people to the cross or to the foot of Jesus or to experience the spirit working um, in and through. And so if that's their objective, then there's a whole lot more ministry alignment in what you're trying to achieve. You're not just trying to make it sound good. You can call yeah. them the master musician because they get to play with all the buttons. Um, but so I think it is that balance. And once you have, okay, what are we trying to achieve? together and knowing that we all play a role, then you have creative license within it because 
like the audio engineer or the graphics person or a camera op, like they want to be creative, but they also want to know the boundaries at which to be creative within. And I think with a band, the same thing, like there's order within a band. If you don't have order within your band, you're going to have problems. Um, And so to know kind of, okay, what's the role and how do we bring that together? And what are the creative spaces um, that we then as worship leaders or worship shepherds can create to ex- to allow this team to express their creativity. Um, and so now in, in my case, it helps that my primary production director is a f- like spent five years as a worship leader. And so he naturally has that heart of, okay, I've been on the stage. I've been leading a congregation from the front, but now I feel mostly called and primarily called to lead from the back. Um, that's the giftings and that's how I can, um, lead creatively and express creatively, but having that mindset of, Hey, we're all worship leaders and we're all here together to steward worship, um, and to lead our congregation is huge because that joint, that kind of ministry alignment, um, brings it. So there's not that divide of people on the platform and people behind a desk, you know, or whatever it might be to bring those ministries together is in that language together is huge. I love that. I f- like feel like both of you guys come at that question from, it takes a foundation. Mm. Like it takes a foundation to build off of and not just not, not be in a situation where you're playing kind of playing catch up with somebody and you're trying to, you know, uh, like always get in front of something. But mm. when you build a foundation with your team, you can you can come at it and things are responded to differently. Is that a, is it kind of a fair assessment? Yeah. And I also yeah. think in that process, like make sure as a worship leader that you're valuing your tech team or whatever you want to call it as equals. You know, yeah. they're part of what you're doing and they're an essential part of what you're doing. I think the default is to value the band over anything that the tech team might bring. Um, and I'd say, make sure that you allow the voices of your entire team to weigh in. Um, because a lot of times like the, the tech team will get picked on, you know, like, oh, this wasn't working. So allow them the space, either one to fix it, or also to explain why they can or can't do something that you're asking, um, and honor that as well. Truth. Now I'm i I'm a firm believer that people are not inherently evil. Let's just let's just lay that out there like it. You know, when you break it down, like poor, poor communication tends to be the root of issues within a staff. When you really kind of like break down the problem, it's because we didn't understand each other that maybe the problems existed. And that's over the course of time. And uh, when you go 30,000 foot level and look at things like that, you see kind of those happening. Now, a lot of time, a lot, a lot of this month we've talked about the relationship of a creative and a non-creative on a staff, but it also takes us um, doing our part to make sure that we're communicating properly. Now, how can I be better communicating with people around me as a creative? Like what can I do to make sure that um, the ideas that I have or the things that are coming up, I'm actually communicating what I want, what, what, what I'm thinking and not just get frustrated when you don't understand me. I think take time and organize your thoughts. Um, Mm. I I remember we were talking about ministry plans with my executive pastor and he just kind of asked me 
And so I just started talking about it and it was all over the place. Cause that's where my mind goes. It was like, yeah. you know, one place. And then I would jump cause my mind's making all the connections, but it's just like fire and fire and fire and firing. Um, and he's like, what in the world did I just ask? <laughs> and I was like, okay, how about you do this? How about you give me like a couple days and I'll, I'll get all my thoughts down on paper and I'll organize it. And then we can discuss it. Um, and I was like, cause yeah. that way I'll be able to get all of my like synapses that are going like crazy down on paper. Then I'll be able to take the time, organize my thoughts and then address it. And so I think that's almost some of the processing of like, I often think in like circles and bubbles and things are all over. They don't come in like a linear fashion. Um, and it's like, but I can get there, but I need to have the allowance and the thought and time to be like, okay, hold on. This makes sense in my brain. Now let me help you process and interpret in a linear fashion so that it'll make sense to others. That's a fantastic. That's, that's really good. That that makes me think about the importance of creatives to be self-aware, to be knowing that you you stereotypically think differently than others do. And so sometimes you're going to speak a different language than they may understand. So I think it's fair. It's it's not to throw yourself under the bus. It's just self-awareness to go, hey, uh, like you just expressed, Jason. I mean, this these things apply in, in marital relationships, any close mm -hmm. you know, family settings where it's like, hey, I I I have to set myself up to be successful in my relationship with you. And I want to do the best I can to set you up to be successful in your relationship with me. So normally creatives have primary contact points and staff settings that so they don't necessarily have to get to know everybody but I tell people sometimes like you know what I I've tried to become a student of my senior pastor I've tried mm -hmm. to figure out um, how he thinks and and how he processes and then honestly I help and help other staff interpret that um, mm -hmm. because and he's amazing but um, we just think differently and it's yeah. not right or wrong it's just different so I yeah. want to try and decode my surroundings, understand maybe where I don't communicate as well. Like Jason said, that's great to go. Yeah. Okay. I've learned about myself. I'm going to, I'm going to ask for a moment to get my thoughts together, my presentation formatted in a way that someone else will be able to digest it. Cause obviously it makes sense to us on our own brain, mm -hmm. but there's no always transfer. So that's, that's great advice. And then just knowing yourself and, and, I, I talked to a friend recently who told me, he goes, yeah, I, I've realized about myself that I, when I'm in a meeting and, and they're creative and they're on a, on, on a church staff, when somebody starts throwing out ideas, sometimes, and, and requests that could affect a creative department, sometimes I react negatively right out of the bat because it either their dream or this or that, as great as it could be, uh, pushes buttons of anxiety in yeah. them. And, and he said, you know what? Sometimes I've learned I need to give myself about 10 minutes, take notes before I respond so I can collect my thoughts and be like, Okay, wait a sec. That is actually positive or possible. Because what times also with creative teams, non-creatives will say, well, you can edit together a 20-minute video by this Sunday, right? <laughs> or you can go out and find 10 people to interview. Mm -hmm. You can mix a record by tomorrow night, right? And you're going to write all the songs, right? I'm not trying to hate, but that happens where sometimes people yeah. that think linearly, like, well, you can just do this, right? You can create a new set and backdrop. You can put up an LED wall. You can redo the lights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, whoa. So people that don't always understand what we do, 
yeah. ask for things. It'd be like me saying, well, you can bake a cake in 10 minutes, right? Right. It's done. It'll be done in 10 minutes. It's like, no, you, you don't know about baking. And so then the creative's put in a challenging spot where it's like, okay, how do I educate mm-hmm. as to how I create so people understand some of the timeframes and the environments and what it looks like so that they can make requests that actually are more realistic. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, I think, I think you guys said earlier, communication and foundation is huge. And I think that's why some of these things, these overarching principles, like Jason said, language, honor, relationship, mm-hmm. communication. If those pathways are put into place, then you have something to build on that you can now start massaging these conversations yeah. back forth and create a sense of team so that you're not constantly just button heads and, and miscommunicating because nobody likes that. I think it's important to add to that, that oftentimes we look at the other person assuming that they're the one not understanding what it is that we're doing or it's, saying, but in all reality, it very well could be the fact that you're not communicating, like you're not, you're not being, it's like when you're butting heads with somebody, you know, every conference you go to, there's a class on how to deal with your senior pastor, senior mm-hmm. pastor, worship pastor, wars, like lead pastor, worship pastor. And it's, it's like, that's their half. The battle is your lead pastor, but the other half, of the battle is you like you are, mm-hmm. you are just as much a part of that conversation um, than the other person is. And gosh, if it's not clicking, then mm-hmm. maybe you need to pull back and not, and not continue to continue to press forward. I think with this also to go right along with what we're talking about, be a student of how people receive and process information. Mm. Um, and and yes, we talk about like senior pastor relationships. It's huge. The more that you can understand how your senior pastor processes information, what they're going through and how they, and, but also like one of the first questions I ask with a worship team, like applicant or someone who wants to come be a part of the worship team is how do you learn music? Um, because we all actually learn, like there's some key ways, but we all learn music differently. And just by asking that question, I can tell kind of how they like to receive and process and learn. And that way we can discuss that. Um, you know, some people are a lot of ear players. Some people want written charts. Some people just want audio and, you know, numbers or a lead chart or whatever it might be, um, you know, and, and learning how people like receive and process information, knowing that it's all different and then taking note of that, remembering that so that you can set, you know, yes, your senior pastor, but, and your team, but also yourself up for success because learning how people process information will actually help you when you need them to learn something or when you need to communicate because then you can begin to process it and deliver it in a form that they can best receive so good there's three you talked about them but there's three major learning styles that um uh, uh, um auditory learning visual learning and kinesthetic learning and auditory learning is learned by hearing visuals learned by seeing and kinesthetic learning is learning by doing um and those are often applied in the in the like in the education space mm-hmm. but um knowing that about your team members uh, my wife and i uh, my wife and i are i'm a, i'm a, i'm an auditory learner she's a visual learner like 100 percent opposite sides of the spectrum and we learned early on in our marriage that she, for me when i communicate with her she learns by seeing so like if we're talking about calendaring 
if she's not looking at her calendar, it means nothing to her. Like the, the conversation goes nowhere and she'll look at me and go, I don't know. I know, I know that's a date on the calendar, but I don't, I need to see it. And I, I always thought like, this is crazy. Like I, you should be able to talk about it. Like this is no, what is going on here? You know? And, and then when she physically opens it up, it was like the light went on and for a visual learner, it's like, no, I have to see it in order to understand it. And we could easily have gotten frustrated about that a long time ago, but now I just know that it's, this is how I communicate with the most important person in my, in my, in, in, in my circle. And so the same thing goes with churches. I love, Absolutely. um, giving people the tools to open up the box is, mm -hmm. is such a good, you know, you, you throw someone an Amazon box, you've we've all gotten those packages or like opened up a Christmas present. That's like, n there's no, they don't actually want you to open the present when you like, there's, you know, talking about those, those packaging of like toys where you go, they don't actually want you to open it. I don't know. You're cutting it out and everything, but if you don't have someone, if you don't give them the tools, they can't do it. And so I just find that anyway, that's just where I'm, that's where my mind went. Yes. That. yes those are those, those profanity enhancement devices. <laughs> <laughs> profanity enhancement devices. It's like, it's, I'm not going to open this without 120 swearing. pieces and no <laughs> it's, directions. It's no directions. That's right. Or you like get a, you guys ever build furniture from Ikea and it's only mm -hmm. pictures and you're like, I don't, I, I don't yeah. see how I'm supposed to. Like, <laughs> so again, in that relationship, my family, my wife, she will look at the directions and tell me what to do. Because mm -hmm. I look at those pictures and I'm like, it means nothing to me. <laughs> but she'll be like, hey, grab that board and grab that. Student. I'm like, oh, this is great. And it works out. It works out well. But you guys have any other thoughts on that? Let's say I, one of our, our our head of actually our, our creative media here has a phrase that's changed my life. And he says, clarity is kindness. Mm. Clarity mm. is kindness. And he has brought such it's such a powerful perspective to our staff team because now mm -hmm. we've realized that and realized, yeah, gosh, how do I, I can't really get upset at somebody that I haven't really explained what I wanted them to do, Yep. you know, or I can't be upset that it didn't go, they didn't do this with the lights. They didn't do this with the video. If I didn't tell them what I what my expectation was. So, so much just happens by trying to really get to make sure, does everybody, are we speaking the same, yeah. same languages? Does everybody understand what we're trying to do? Because sometimes things just don't go how you want. Because yeah. uh, like you said, um, Jason Squires, like, I think that's good to look at yourself and go, maybe this is breaking down because I'm not making sense. It makes a lot of sense in my head, but maybe I've just not mapped it out. So maybe I need, I think that's that that's a really good perspective. And I think that's healthy to say, mm -hmm. I'm going to own my stuff before I ask somebody else to own their stuff. Yeah. I can't get in someone else's brain and I can't be accountable for them. I can only be accountable for me. So I'm going to work on me to make sure that I am doing all I can as a creative to help people understand what I'm saying. I think some, a lot of times in these conversation, it kind of swings kind of towards the, we're defending the creatives and down with the man and all that kind of stuff, you know, the non-creatives. <laughs> and actually, I think it's, it's a more mature perspective, what you're saying. It's like, no, we're going to, everyone else can have to deal with their own stuff. I'm accountable yep. for me. And if I don't bring to the table, clarity, mm -hmm. kindness, honor, like those should be the tenets um, to, to accomplish um, what Jason Harris said with alignment. I love that term. I it creates such, I'm a visual learner like Casey, yeah. that it, what you and, and Casey have, Janelle and I <laughs> go with that all the time. She'll be talking in the other room and she'll be saying, trying to explain neuroscience to me. And I'm like, just give me a sec, honey. I need a picture. Give me a picture. I'm Try with you. 
But right now, I just, it's like, blah, 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 Charlie Brown teacher mode. Like, I'm not hearing what you're saying. I need a picture. Hallelujah. Anyways, so when we can, I, I love the idea of alignment. I love the visual of just, you know, almost like two parallel lines coming together and being, having continuity and working together for strength and team. I love that. I love a team that's aligned. It's going the same direction together with everyone understanding their role, their purpose. So good. So. Wow. I love it. I love it. Hey, so um, I always end the podcast with a food question because it's how this podcast works. And every time you guys look at me like you're crazy. So we just kind of came through Easter. And so I'm just curious, what did you eat on Easter Sunday? What was on the table when it was? And now we all do church and stuff. So it's like mm -hmm. it's hard to make crazy meals on Easter. But what did you guys what was your Easter? Michael, what did you do? So my wife rescued our Easter because really she was, we just got came back from a, a mission trip and she got really sick. So over Easter weekend, she was in bed with a fever. And so it was almost Taco Bell, but, <laughs> but at the last <laughs> second, she's like, Michael, we can't do that. Kids deserve more. So, so she walked me through. So we ended up doing ham, green beans, mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, um some other things so it ended up being a really nice meal um that my because my bride that's what she you, desired this you went from maybe bride. taco bell to that that was yeah a, it was it was quite a pivot it was quite a pivot <laughs> they don't have a ham and potato and green bean uh thing on uh number eight on the menu <laughs> so it actually ended up being great so all props to my amazing bride for walking me through that and 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 helping out hey we even had a pie come on we had pie there you go yeah, that's amazing. What about you, Jason? What'd you guys do? So we didn't have family come into town. Um, so it was just me and my wife and our three kids. Okay. And the week before we looked at each other and going, our kids don't eat ham. They don't eat mashed potatoes. They don't eat green beans. Why should we do this? Um, Fair enough. And so we, my wife is half Filipino. And so we made a Filipino meal. We cooked egg rolls, like we we made egg rolls, rolled them yes. up from scratch. We did lo mein, we did some pot stickers, and so it was like Asian food specialty on Easter Sunday. That sounds and amazing. our kids got to be a part of rolling the egg rolls and frying them up and all that kind of stuff. So instead of having something that our kids would not eat, we went a totally different route. Uh, which I love was how your kids great. won't they loved eat it. ham and mashed potatoes, but they'll eat egg rolls and pot stickers. Like Absolutely. that would be a harder, I'd have a harder time convincing my kids <laughs> to do because they're looking at that yeah. and go, what is that? Our kids I eat sushi it. and not ham. That's, you know, so that's, that's what it is. What, I think maybe you're doing something right. That's what, that's what that <laughs> comes into. Uh, well, I did a, um, I was at a church in, in lead and worship and I did a full weekend. So I did a Saturday mm -hmm. night sunrise and two sunrise mm -hmm. and two Sunday morning. My call time on Sunday on Sunday uh, Easter morning was four a.m., and I had to get out of bed at two forty-five in order to make it. My call time, so I got out about two forty-five. I did church, and so we ended up doing a picnic at the park, which was like nice. just like everything easy, like just yeah. you know sandwiches and, and just That's sitting what you at need a table at the end of that day. Totally, it was the, it was the quiet of the you hear Absolutely. the trees and the the kids are just that you know just hanging out together, and so it was a. It was, but we did, yeah, it was a lot of sandwiches and finger food and chips and just the kind of like quiet and kind of rest mm -hmm. as you kind of then go into the next 
going to the next Absolutely. thing. But, so but now I kind of want pot stickers. That sounds I'm so that hungry. Sounds really good. I'm so hungry. <laughs> I, have, I haven't eaten yet. So, hey, you guys are awesome. Thanks for pouring into leaders and thanks for being a part of these conversations um, yeah. and making it a point to make it at a point to continue kind of helping others. Like Michael said at the beginning, help others not mm-hmm. trip over things that that you that you've tripped over and um so yeah you guys are amazing thanks for having us jay thank you man no problem we will see everybody next week